Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S.com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. Have you ever felt like you have something to say and a story to share, but you're just a little too scared? 
you know that people want to hear it and that people would benefit from it, but you just can't work up the courage to be vulnerable and to be transparent and to show people behind the curtains and to tell your story. Well, today my guest is Alexa Carlin, and she has built a small and growing empire based off of having the courage to tell her story at a young age. Alexa is an awesome entrepreneur. I linked up with her initially through the Health and Happiness series that we conducted at WeWork this year because she wanted to focus more on video storytelling. And so we met up and immediately we vibed. And I'm just so impressed. And I told her on the show, like, I'm so... I admire what she's doing so much and I look up to what she's doing and, and I want to learn from her because she's, I think she's killing it. She probably, like me, only sees where she wants to go, but I hope that she takes the time to really appreciate what she's accomplished because to me, like, I, it's inspiring. But Alexa created WEX or Women Empower X. It's a conference that she, she started years ago, I think in Fort Lauderdale first, which is where she was living, but it's now in I think five cities, LA, DC, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Raleigh, Durham, because she moved here last year. And I'm not sure if there's a fifth one or where that is. But it's a place for women to share the stage together and to listen to other women speak and share their stories in an in an effort and in the interest of encouraging this empowerment with, with all of them. I, maybe more than anybody, know the power of stories to create that feeling, to create that relatability, that empathy that we always talk about, and to empower people when you share your story with them because then they understand that they're not alone and what they're going through and what they're trying to accomplish isn't impossible because someone has shared their story and laid the groundwork, not laid the groundwork for them, but but showed them a path that they can take. And Alexa does a great job of this. In fact, she did it with me to, like in the show. But I had to have her on every time we talk, and we've met several times for coffee and just rapped about storytelling and entrepreneurship and personal brand versus growing a business and scaling. And she reads the same books that I do. And she's she's amazing. I got I got to give it up to her. And so I was super stoked to have her on the show to finish out season three. There is no better guest that we could have. You guys are in for a treat. So I'm going to do what I try to do, which is stay off of the mic. Sometimes I fail at that. And I'm going to shut up so you can hear what Alexa has to say because, boy, we talked for an hour and there are some gems in this episode. That's it. I'm done selling it. Here is Alexa Carlin, founder of Wex. Check it out. But we had... A company that started a studio here uh, on the fourth floor, I think, um, and they became friends of mine. They had an awesome studio set up and had the sound booth and just the whole, you know, this is like DIY because right, I had yeah. all this equipment from video, right? Mm-hmm. So it's easy for me to do it because I edit the audio in my video editor, you know, but mm-hmm. not everybody has access to that. And a lot of people that are just starting have to learn everything. But they had... Um, the whole studio set up and they had a couple of clients that they were just producing it for. They just come in and record. And then I think their name was Suncast studio, um, would 
you know, produce the podcast for them. And I was just about to, to, to use them, even though mine's pretty easy. And a lot of the times, like I was telling you when we, when we were texting, uh, if it's someone from another state or country or whatever, I'm just on, on Skype. It's, I do mm. it at my house. It's super easy. Right. Um, but the thought of just making it like completely turnkey and outsourcing it is like for people trying to do the stuff that we're trying to do, uh, it's super helpful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's, it's like anything, right? It's a lot of work up front. So they're not, they're not around. Anymore? No, they left. And then I went away for like, um, I was traveling a lot in September and October. Um, and when I came back, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> like it, it, I guess it was too hard to sustain, but th- those kinds of, places i think are becoming more popular because there's so much demand for it now i bet there yeah. would be somewhere there's in one that uh opened mm. up in Cary area and i've been talking to him and he's doing it out of a co-working space but they set up a whole studio i mean it's pretty small but they have the whole like soundproof mm-hmm. walls and everything that's all you need right and this i mean these mics are really good i have one of my audio engineers just told me just just get these they're going to be good like right. to cover everything that you need so it's been it's been pretty easy for us to do it except for the video that was just starting to get like on yeah. my nerves because it just wasn't producing. I mean, it wasn't like we weren't getting anything. numbers, right? Yeah. So it was just like, what are we doing this for? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. A lot of people are, are, are getting into it. I mean, I think that with the messaging that you have and the stuff that you're trying to do, I think it would be wise. But like anything, you don't want to you don't want to pivot so hard and have to go create this thing. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the right. eternal like dilemma, right? Is like, how much of myself do I give to this new, new thing? What's it going to yield? Exactly, What's the purpose? Yeah. What's the end goal? There's like so many opportunities and then it's, that's where I'm at right now. And I feel like a lot of people are at that, like, especially going into the new year, it's like, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. How am I going to get there? And then there's like four different paths that can actually lead you there. But which one's going to be the easiest, which one's going to be the, 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 you know, the highest ROI, like, and you don't know those answers. So, so I'm like, well, I could do this or I could do that. And of course, like I'm, you know, tap into your intuition, but at the same time, if all are things that you want to achieve, which do you do first? Mm-hmm. And where is that going to lead you? And because you don't know the answer, it's almost like, uh, I don't want to regret, like I was focused on this project for the next three years and I'm like, I should have done that. What's a realistic like time frame that you would give something like that? Like, okay, I'm going to try a video podcast to, you know, it's one of those four things that I could do. Mm-hmm. You got to give it a little bit of time to, to test it. Right. But mm-hmm. then when do you cut it off? If it's not, that's a good question. I would say a year, you would have to give it a year. Um, and that's a lot to dedicate yourself yeah. to something for a year. I know it's the same thing with any, with all businesses, I think. Yeah. And that could essentially be its own business. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I but like, you have to know your goals. So it depends. Like, if my, if my goal was to get sponsorship with it, yeah, then you may put a six month time frame on it. Mm-hmm. But my goal is to grow my audience, and that takes time. You know, to build up loyalty, to build up trust. But then, how do you measure that? And and if that's the goal, and you're okay with like the slow grind, you still need to make it as like feasible production wise to accomplish every week right because we d- we release ours every two weeks we started off this season really well in terms of 
banking or like batching them and recording a bunch up front. Mm -hmm. Then we got, you know, we found ourselves kind of caught up. We're like, oh shit, we need to like book somebody, record it, edit it, you know, promote it like immediately. And that's, that's never fun, especially for it's, for something that's, there's not an immediate ROI on and you're not Mm -hmm. getting paid to do. I have uh, a sponsor that I get like in-kind contributions, like video rentals. So it's, it's definitely got value for, for me, Mm -hmm. but it's not like I'm getting paid for it. Right. You know? So it's like, (laughs) that's why with the video it was so easy to lose because I was like, all right, we tried it for a little while. What are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, let's, I mean, I was just listening to James. Do you know James Webmore? So he has his mind your business podcast. He's a big like online entrepreneur. Okay. So I was listening to his podcast on the way to, um, my boyfriend's family for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And he was talking to someone who grew through teaching how to grow your audience on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And she started a podcast four years ago or five years ago. And she first started video and podcast. And then she had, um, she was pregnant with her second child. She had a young one at home. Like she still was doing coaching. And then she noticed like she can't just, she doesn't feel like getting on the camera when she's like, you know, in the hustle mode and like with family life. And so she just cut it. And she was like, this is, are people going to say something about it? Cause I'm teaching YouTube yet mm-hmm. I don't have a hundred thousand followers on YouTube. And it, it fa- she found out that the value, like her students were getting that increase in mm-hmm. reach and, and hitting like by far way more of the goals than they set going into her program. So it didn't hurt her. If anything, it helped her cause she just focused on the, the yeah. podcast, but it's interesting cause you would think you need to have video if you're teaching video. Absolutely. And, and it makes it makes me think of uh, the bigger the bigger issue there. We see, I see it a lot in sports, uh, where you know the coach is not going to be the best athlete, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's a different skill set. Like mm-hmm. all they need to be able to do well is to convey, you know, the 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 tactics and strategies and techniques of how to shoot a ball through a hoop or whatever. Right. And often it's not, and it's not the best athletes that make good coaches, right? Oh yeah. Not at all. It's the ones who understand the game, the ones who have a lot of heart, the Mm -hmm. ones who have that skill of being able to explain something and teach. Exactly. Cause that's a skill set. Um, I made a film a few years ago about this, like kind of obscure fitness subculture that was growing out of the parks and playgrounds of, uh, uh, of areas all over. It started in New York and spread, uh, spread all, all over the world, but it was new. It became a sport. And, um, that was something that a lot of the athletes didn't get. They thought that if you were like training people or if you were a judge that you had to be a great athlete. And I think, yeah, you need to understand the sport and understand what it Mm -hmm. takes to be able to do these moves. But I always tried to explain that they were like young kids um, a lot of times teenagers in early twenties and I'll, I found myself having to explain that it's not, it's not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. And switching back over to the media, that's an interesting point because you, you know, if you're, if you're on Twitter or something and seeing the trolls, like that's exactly what they would go after It's like, why the hell am I going to listen to you? Right. You don't have anything, but you see those coaches all the time. I even have those thoughts. Yeah. I mean like my, um, good friend, he, is like an amazing snowboarder. Mm-hmm. But when he was trying to teach someone, 
couldn't teach it right. <laughs> at all because yeah. he, he just knows how to snowboard. He doesn't know the technique or, you know, what you need to learn in the beginning to know how to balance. Um, but that's an interesting, interesting point. It kind of goes back to this concept of don't it, it, kind of imposter syndrome in a way. Like you don't think you're good enough or have enough to be able to be that quote unquote expert or that teacher or that leader. But really you do. You just have to shift your mindset around mm-hmm. it. Um, that makes me think of, do you know, Russell Brunson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his book, expert secrets, that's what he talks about is like, you don't have to, like, all you have to do to be able to teach someone is be like one step ahead of them. Right. right? Exactly. Yes. And that's, I, that's really, it took me a while, but I realized where I shine when I teach people, whether it's storytelling or when I used to train people in fitness or soccer or filmmaking or whatever is like, I'm really good at teaching that beginner like getting someone mm-hmm. from zero to one or from one to two, but I'm not training elite athletes. I'm not, I'm not training, uh, uh, Hollywood filmmakers. I'm training like normal business creatives on how to just like, you know, tell good stories and how right. to use your phone to make a good video and that sort of thing. But you're right. A lot of people, you, you kind of said this about your snowboarding friend, a lot of like really good top performers can't break it down to that like base level mm-hmm. for someone who's just starting. It's really hard, hard for them to do that. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. It just, again, goes back to like something I always preach and always advocate is to just start. Like you don't need to be anything but who you are right now in order to achieve what you want, but you're never going to get to where you want to be Mm. if you don't start. Absolutely. So what are you focused on? We talked about, you know, how quickly uh, uh, December came up and how quickly mm-hmm. 2020 is going to be here. Uh, what are you focused on right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I'm working out the... Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working out all the goals that I have and um, and really what more on a tactical, I guess, revenue level mm-hmm. of like what I need to do to get to where I need to be. So I, I did this whole day of brainstorming uh two saturdays ago from 10 a.m to 7 p.m and i barely scratched the surface Um, that makes me feel good (laughs) yeah but like it was i focused on two parts of my business um and so one was like cash flow side and getting you know uh, a forecast in place for 2020 and then the other side was um looking to launch a new project but before I did that, you know, I needed to really get my mind straight around this is the right project to focus on and why is that? Because at the end of the day, like what are my main goals? Of mm-hmm. course I want to inspire people, of course I want to motivate people, of course I want to empower people to achieve their dreams. But that looks like a lot of different things, right? Yeah. You could do that in so many different ways. So going back to like I like to say you have to go to a selfish level almost because if you're that type of person that wants to give back, that wants to make a difference, you're going to incorporate that regardless in whatever you do. Um, But selfishly, what I've always dreamed about was being uh, a best-selling author. Mm. Um, Like New York Times best-selling author is like, has been on my goal list since I was little, always wrote in journals, like to this day, like that has always been my goal. But a lot of times you lose sight of that. And not that I lost sight of it, but I'm not working towards it anymore because I have so many other things that are also amazing too. But going back to that and then going back to really like, so Woman Empower X, I started that in 2016. 
based on my own need to want to be a speaker, but nobody gave me an opportunity to speak. So I created my own stage. Wow. So, and then it became seeing the need for more women, diverse women to connect and collaborate. But really at the end of the day, it's like, I wanted to be a speaker. So I created my own stage. And so I went back to like, here's my end goal, which is like, say an author. And there's a lot of things with that. Like spe you speak more with being an author, you could reach more people being an author. So that was like the, the end goal. Then here I am now, how do we connect the dots? Mm -hmm. And so I did this whole brainstorming se uh, like session, which was r really helpful. And what it came down to is in order for me to be this, I just need more time to write my book. Like that, that's really what it is. Um, cause obviously after you write, like write your book proposal, then you go out and you pitch agents and then the agent pitches publishers and then you write your book. And when you're signed with a deal, you're more likely to find the time. But when right. you're doing it on your own, it's hard cause life comes in the way. Definitely. So coming back to, to finding your need, especially this is super helpful for anyone listening, going into 2020 and trying to figure out what to focus on. My need was time. So in order to get more time, I need to hire someone else in a certain department. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to go and just hire. Like, I really want to be strategic and smart around the cash flow because I still have a full business with events and everything going on. And so that solidified the new project, which were, were basically um, bringing together the online world and our events to, to create a deeper relationship among the WEX community. So, um, basically creating an online platform that's mm -hmm. not just so, cause right now we've really just been focusing on events, sure. what happens in between events. Mm -hmm. So it, continuing the education, continuing the connection, but that's a lot of work Yeah. and, um, there's a lot of opportunity in it, but I didn't want to lose sight of like that five year goal, but knowing to focus on that, you could bring in more revenue, hire someone else, free up more time to hit that goal. <laughs> If that all made sense, I'm like picturing it my whiteboard. It, it does. It's just, it's still got to be challenging. Like you have to create something new to bring in the revenue so that you can get back to focusing on the book. Yeah. And I think it's like something, again, it's basically solidifying the ideas and what I already wanted to do. I've wanted to create an online, um, educational platform for, for a very long time, but then it comes back to like, should I focus on this? Or should I focus on my book? Or should I focus on a podcast? Like, you know, because I'm a big believer that you can achieve everything you set out to, but just not all at the same time. Yeah. And so what's that domino effect, right? What's that big domino that's going to help knock down the rest? <laughs> and, um, and it comes back to money, right? You need revenue and profitability in order to sustain your other projects, right? I would need money to be able to do a podcast correctly because I don't have time to produce it. I would need to hire someone. So all of that comes back to like solidifying, like this is the right thing to focus on now. Mm -hmm. And then after you get to the certain point and backing it up with like numbers and all of, and, and forecasting, then you can see, all right, it's leading me to this. Cause then a lot of times what happens is you get so in to the work or into your business that you're creating and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Yeah. Or did I lose sight of that bigger, bigger goal? 
This all sounds very familiar. <laughs> I feel uh, like I'm getting you to think a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, this is the, exactly the, the conversations I've been having with myself and mentors lately. Like, I mean, the, <laughs> the exact stuff that you seem like you've already been going through, I'm like planning to do right now and still feeling that window of 2019 just like closing fast. Um, so when we first met, you know, we were, you, we connected on storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're here really to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of concepts and values that storytelling connects with. Um, so I like to talk about the big picture of all these things we're talking about. Right. But at that time, I think, um, I mean, you still are, I'm sure, but you're interested in learning how to tell your story better or bigger storytelling projects. And I know that part of what you do, and, I'm, and I want to hear from you as well on it, uh, is you've created this community by bringing women on stage and allowing them to share their stories, right? So mm -hmm. through, through your experience, how is that Im impactful, the sharing of stories? Yeah, I mean... I want to say it's very impactful, but I want to give you like a more concrete answer to that. When you see and hear you, when you see people and hear the stories behind that person in a vulnerable, authentic and transparent way, it becomes relatable. And that relatability empowers you to believe that you too can achieve X, Y, and Z. And I think if we went around and if I just you know, said, you know, this is my goal for 2020. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell the whole story of how I got there. How helpful would that be for someone listening? Not, you know, cool. That's, that's your right. goal. Right. But now you can really kind of use the strategy that I, I did. And here's my story of, you know, brainstorming and setting aside a day. Yeah. Now that's like a little story, right? Yeah. But that's a perfect example. Yeah. So how I grew my business and my audience was storytelling alone. I didn't have any startup capital, started the business with $2,000 in my savings for a down payment on a convention center to host our first WEX event. And I had no marketing dollars, so I had to do everything through social media and public speaking. Hmm. And never did I once sell from the stage. So as a public speaker, I never said, you know, buy my tickets or buy my book or because I have a cookbook or buy, um, you know, an exhibitor booth or sponsorship. All I did was I shared my story of how I got there and why we're putting on this event. And then people afterwards would come up to me and like I sold a sponsorship on the spot. We never even talked about that. They asked me, do you have exhibitor booths? Like, um, or tickets would be sold at the spot because of the emotion with the story. And so for people like first uh, hearing about me, um, quick, quick run through my story. When I was, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17 years old and um, always was creating uh, like businesses that had a give back component to it and um, really focused on making a, a difference. And what was your first business when you were 17? You've told me before. Yeah, it was the designing jewelry for an LA-based fashion company where I donated 15% of proceeds to help build schools in Africa. And then the next thing was a blog called Hello Perfect, which had the mission to instill confidence in young girls and women. And then I got really sick at 21 years old. Um, my body went into septic shock, induced into a medical coma, given a 1% chance of living. Mm. That changed my entire life. Um, still graduated college on time, moved to New York City, got a, m supposedly my dream job working at InStyle Magazine, 
realized that wasn't for me. But at that same time, I was getting sick again Mm. um, and was having all these different symptoms and ended up being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, um, which anyone that uh, understands chronic illness, like it lives with you day in and day out. And so that really had a huge impact on my entire journey and my entire story. Um, I had to move back home. I was living, my parents were living in South Florida. That's where I grew up um, at the time. So I moved from New York City, which was my dream since I was 10 to live there. Back home to South Florida, felt like at tr- now I was 22 years old, that all my dreams were just stolen from me. Everything I set out since I was young, like just taken because I was too sick to do anything. Mm. And when it's so out of your control in that, that sense, it's like very debilitating, very depressing. Plus I was physically ill and then what that did to my, my mental health as well. So, um, I spent years going in and out doctors in and out of hospitals, trying to figure out like how to, you know, help me and get healthy again. There was a time where like eight months couldn't leave my apartment, like even to walk my dog, I was that sick. Um, and so, but through this time, I still was that passionate individual and I still had all these big dreams. And so I set out, um, Periscope launched on Twitter. Um, well, it wasn't part of Twitter when it first launched Periscope launched and I decided to get on and start this live show morning motivation with Alexa. And there, it was like Monday through Friday, 10 AM Eastern standard time. And there were days where I did not feel well, like let alone yeah. to come on live and motivate people. And so when that happened, I thought like, all right, well, I can wait until I feel better or I can share vulnerably what I'm going through. And I started to share because I, again, was waiting and waiting and waiting. Months went by, years went by. I didn't know how long I would be waiting for. And so when I started to open up and be live in front of people, not feeling well, you could see it all over my face or crying or whatever it is, not again, trying to play victim at all, but just being who I was in that very moment, people related to that because here I was saying like, I'm going through all this yet. I'm still chasing after my dreams. And that's really why I set out to be a speaker because I was going through all of, I was going to all these different motivational speaking, like conferences and going to see tons of inspiring people. And they're all great, but I couldn't relate to them because they always spoke on the past, right? Here's what I went through, whether it was like childhood abuse or alcoholism or mental health issues, whatever it was, but it was always referred to as the past. Here's what they did to overcome it. And then here's how you could do that too. And I was like, that is great for you, (laughs) but this is something I'm always going to be going through. And so going back to storytelling, when people can find the courage to share the story that they're currently living, it creates this sense of trust, honesty, relatability, strength that, that people are attracted to and not only attracted to follow you, work with you, be part of what you're creating, but also to actually make an impact in their life. Mm. Because if you're watching on social media or listening to podcasts and you're only hearing the back half of a story and this is what you're going through now, it's like, I can never get there. 
But if you're hearing someone that you believe is successful in your, in your perspective and you're like, wait, they're going through that too. They're going through those money issues. They're going through a divorce. They're going through, you know, struggling with their kids, whatever it may be. Right. I'm like, but they're still doing this. Maybe I can too. And I think that's the power of storytelling. So, and I mean, that's something that you still don't shy away from. You still tell your whole story in the Wex mm-hmm. events and all that stuff, right? Yes. Um, you said something when you were just talking about if they can find the courage to do that, which I think is a big barrier to a lot of people being vulnerable mm-hmm. and open and honest and sharing their stories. You can, This can be two parts. I mean, if, if you have your own... Um, if you know your own answer for your own journey, then that's great. But like, how does somebody find that courage? Is it like a leap of faith? Is it, are there practical things they can do to like, to make it easier to kind of expose themselves and, and tell those hard to tell stories that they have? What do you Mm -hmm. think? Um, so there's a, a lot of ways I can answer that, but so Courage is doing it in spite of the fear. So I think the first step is to understand that you don't have to be fearless because I think that's the biggest um, misconception is that people believe that you have to be a fearless leader Mm -hmm. in order to impact other people. Um, But I'm afraid all the time. Like, of course I am because when I, I think that when something is scary to you, it means it's meaningful to you. And if it's meaningful to you, you're going to be that it's going to be that much more impactful. And so the step number one is to rid that idea that you have to remove the fear itself. Um, you just have to do it anyway, in mm-hmm. spite of the fear. Um, and that's kind of the definition of courage in itself. So that's step number one. Step number two is to understand, like, I have this whole concept of it only takes one. Because mm-hmm. I, because again, like the one I was given a 1% chance of living. But if I asked anyone that's listening, or if I asked you and I said, all right, you are currently in a job that you don't really like, and you're working on your passion as a side hustle. And you know, you really want to go all in on your passion because you know, it can only be, you're hitting, you know, your, your cap of what you can do while working this other full-time job. But you, you said, like, if I can make $60,000 doing this full time, I'll be able to quit my job. But I need 60K to pay the bills, which, you know, obviously you want to be smart about this. But if I said to you, all right, well, you are definitely, you definitely have the opportunity to make 60K and a lot more than 60K, but you have a 1% chance of doing it. Hmm. But you could definitely do it. There's just a 1% chance. Will you quit your job? Like most people will say no, right. <laughs> no way, because <laughs> those odds are horrible. Yeah. But coming back to what the doctor said, like, you know, my family never gave up on me. Hmm. The doctors never gave up on me, even when the odds were not in my favor. And so this concept of it only takes one, it's, it's the same thing with, with courage, doing one thing a day to get you closer So if that's going live and sharing one piece of your story, one, just one little piece, or even calling up a friend or talking to someone you trust and sharing something first, right? All of Mm. these things start to add up and it creates this momentum. Um, Going back to, I always like to refer to momentum and this like 
idea of what we're talking about of it only takes one and courage with the analogy of snowboarding versus skiing. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to snowboard like a year and a half ago. And my instructor said, um, skiing is easier to learn, harder to master, but snowboarding is harder to learn, easier to master. And that's why a lot of people give up on snowboarding because it's so hard to learn in the beginning. A couple days sucks and you just fall on your butt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in that sense, that that's a lot about, about like business or chasing your dreams. It's always harder in the beginning, hmm. but the more you do it, the more you do it, the more you do it. Like even when we we're just talking, it becomes a well-oiled machine. You yep. start to get better. So anything new is going to be harder. Hmm. But even when you feel like, okay, you tried, say you did a hundred cold calls and you're trying to be like, you're putting yourself in this vulnerable position, asking for help. Just like that. Say that's the example. And you're receiving a hundred no's. Like it's discouraging. And how do you keep up that courage to ask again? But those a hundred calls, even though it seems like you wasted time or you're moving backwards, like it's building up momentum. Just like if you are snowboarding, you fall and you fall and you fall. You're not going anywhere, yeah, yeah. but it's still building up momentum for you to get better. And so you have to kind of visualize your dreams in that sense, because that's going to help empower you and motivate you to keep on taking that one step doing something scary to reach that level of courage to always do it and do it anyway i I love this concept too and you can you can you know easily build off of any of those metaphors with it when you when you know i don't know what you when you're applying to things or for me i submit to film festivals and you get rejected a lot you know Mm -hmm. doing a hundred of those is it is it is it worth it and you're saying yes it is to your point and to your, you know, you're saying like it, it only takes one. And in fact, I had a film like that, that got rejected by all the festivals. And then it found the hip hop film festival of New York city, which was like the perfect one for its, you know, niche that it was in mm-hmm. and it won best of the fest. And then we went off and sold the film because of that. And wow, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, but the whole year I was applying before that was completely discouraging because you have these dreams of getting into Sundance and things like that. And it, it doesn't happen, but it just takes one. And right. if we're talking about the snowboarding, you fall and you fall a hundred times. But once you get that first ride where you did it, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've been there, you know, the feeling that you have that carries you on for the rest of the rest of the time. Right. I love that concept. Yeah. When we first started talking also, you know, we were kind of brainstorming about a, a lot of different ways that, we could continue to share your story and, and, and the stories of the people that you work with and impact. Um, how have you used or utilized media and social media to, to kind of leverage your, your, your audience? Like how have you grown your audience using different social media? Which ones have worked, which one hasn't? So, um, Instagram is my main platform of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I connect with my audience on Instagram throughout the day through Instagram stories. I post mul- multiple times and I do a live show every Monday through Friday, 10 30 AM. Just like back in the old days. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of times, like I had to take two weeks off or sure. like my, I just update my audience through Instagram stories. Like, Hey, not going to be able to go live today. Um, but I try to keep it consistent mm-hmm. and, when it is my audience shows up and you see the same people showing up and you're hoping like you'll get, you know, more, but really it's just serving. It's making a deeper, like how Gary V talks about deep versus wide. It creates a deeper connection. Um, so Instagram I've utilized 
um, growing and growing my audience base and uh, using that as a creative way to tell stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my whole thing is in the caption. Like if you go through my Instagram, you'll read very long captions, but the people that read it, it's um, a metaphor, an analogy or something that, you know, I'm learning and I'm sharing as I'm learning it. Um, YouTube, I just post on there just for my longer vlogs, which I've now now also utilized IGTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm big into trying, I mean, I haven't gotten to the point where I create different types of content for each platform, but I definitely create like a longer piece of content for YouTube and create some micro content videos for Instagram and Facebook and even LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I've been focusing more on cause, uh, I've just noticed there's more like, uh, organic reach there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in video stuff too. Yeah. And then for Facebook, I mostly, it's not the, I mean, I go live on Facebook too at the same time I go live on Instagram, but, um, for personal, like my personal brand, Facebook's not the biggest for me, but for Wex, um, we, I really do focus on Facebook only really so much because Facebook ads create the, the highest ROI for us. So how do you juggle all that? You know, we, we kind of talked about this since, since you got here, like just managing time and outputting all that stuff. Like, so I'm working on trying to hire some, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, so I do all of the marketing outside of email blasts and outside of responding to DMS. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do my own, um, DMS and everything, but Cause I have two accounts. I have my personal brand and then I have Wax on every platform. So with Wax, I have someone um, handling our email marketing and any communication, but um, I'm still the one that's posting and everything. And I also do have a creative director. So like I'm not creating designs or creating videos. Um, I'm just kind of writing the content cause the voice is very important. Absolutely. Um, and what I've noticed is like when I did try to outsource it at first, um, it, it ended up being more work because I had to reread everything before it was posted and then edit it anyway. And it just, it just ended up being more work. And so until I had the time to find someone who can write and understand what like the visual component of mm-hmm. it as well, it didn't really make sense. But now I'm at the point where like it's taking up so much time that if I want to focus on the new projects in 2020, I do have to, figure out how to hire someone at least for Instagram. Cause it, cause again, Instagram, even with Wex, um, is our main platform that we yeah. folk create content for. And then we just take that content and post to other places, maybe with some different copy. Uh, and if you hired someone for Instagram, what would that look like? They would just post for you. Would you still write the captions? Yeah. So we would have it where they schedule it and we'll mm-hmm. basically I would tr- do batch content. So mm-hmm. like, um, we use Planoly, so they would schedule it out or post it how they would want to schedule it. And then I'll go in once a week, once the whole week's done and read through it and hopefully get to a point where they can do it on their own. Um, but that takes time. Like I know my friend, she works in marketing, um, handling, uh, this big beauty company's social media. And I asked her, I was like, do you, do they have to approve everything that you post? And she said in the beginning they did, um, but not anymore, but they've been, she's been with the company for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, cause again, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of just making it up as you go. So I kind of look to like 
how bigger companies are doing it or yeah. companies that have investment in a board like that. It, it just run differently. Mm-hmm. I've never outside of a few jobs out of college, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've never been really immersed to the corporate culture mm-hmm. or Same. certain protocol. And there are so many good things you can learn from it. And just like they can learn a lot from the startup world. So I kind of like ask around and, and try to figure out what's the best strategy. Um, but what has helped, and this is a good thing, um, because my team's all virtual and now have um, quite a few people on my team and only one um, is local and everyone else is around the country. So with that, we implemented earlier this year Asana, which is the same as like Monday mm-hmm. or Trello. And it changed the game for us because now my everyone could work together and I could oversee it if I'm following a task, but I don't need to get in on it or like have my inbox flooded. So it helps so much. Like when I took this week off before Thanksgiving, which was like well needed um, uh, after two WEX events back to back, like the company was still moving forward and I was able to just check in and kind of like oversee what was going on without necessarily showing that I'm like I'm available yeah that's huge yeah what's your next big project are you getting back focused on the book or yeah so 2020 the I mean actually working on right now we have LA coming up February 29th Mm -hmm. so that's coming up soon and it's a new market so most of my focus is there but again um trying to figure out how to grow a business while maintaining yeah. right so that's kind of been Especially the hardest as like a single entrepreneur you know you don't have uh any startup capital or, or right. investors right it's just you doing it just me you know? 100 owner self-funded let me ask you this is a personal question yeah <clears throat> well one that i'm personally interested in um when when it comes to the conversation of growing your business or promoting pushing growing your personal brand like how do you how do you decide where you put that energy and time and focus and money? It's Good like, question. I haven't figured that out. <laughs> yet. Right. I'll be completely honest because we I was trying during my brainstorm session, I was trying to figure out or the person I was doing it with. Oh, can can you say more about that? Who was it? Was it someone? Yeah, it was my with? it was my boyfriend. Okay. So, so he a personal w- relationship, personal. not like a professional relationship. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm basically doing the brainstorm session with my main person which is my director so so a couple so um i'm going to be doing one with my director of sales and operations who Mm -hmm. works in the company and then i want to do one with my boyfriend who works in a corporate culture okay but yeah he is very intelligent on sides i'm not right so he's like a numbers guy a tech guy and i'm like i don't want to do all those like excel spreadsheets Same. So, um, so he's like, let's, you know, sit down and like, cause I, cause he noticed that since I started in a lot of startups, you're like running on a hamster wheel, right? Trying to keep up. And totally. with events, you're just kind of working towards that next event. But how are you growing a business or right. making it better if you're always working on this next event? And I need, I, I have needs where like, I have to hire someone because I'm like, you know, it's just getting too much for one person on certain sides of the business. And so I don't want to do that with just a guessing game. Cause then you're always in a state of fear. Yeah. Like, will I have enough cash flow? And this is getting super transparent, but, um, I hope it That's adds value. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, so he was like, well, let's sit down and, and do a cash flow forecast 
because then you're not guessing. Yeah, of course there there's variables to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could be more confident saying like, all right, I can hire someone. I can't hire a marketing director yet, but I have $500 a month to hire someone just to do my Instagram, you know, or an intern, whatever it is. So then you could start to really make decisions that are more calculated and stronger. And so that's why that brainstorm session, that was our first, my first one. And so with that, um, going back to the personal brand versus Wex brand, he asked me, um, which one, I guess I forgot exactly how he worded it, but he's like, which one adds more value or which one, um, carries more weight in a way. For example, like are people coming to Wex because they heard about it through Wex or are people coming to Wex because mm -hmm. they heard about it through you? And I don't know if it's 50, 50, um, I've asked, I always ask people anytime I'm at my events and I'm meeting people, I'm like, how'd you hear about it? And yeah. I'm doing like everybody. I, I ask that to everyone. And a lot of times they're like, I saw your ad on, um, you know, on Facebook, but it was the talking ad. Like yeah. those work much better than like a recap ad, um, for videos. Mm -hmm. And then, or they heard about it from a speaker or they follow me on Instagram. So there's so many different reasons. Um, my personal brand has more followers than Wex, but when it comes to where I'm investing time, I think both are really equally as important because Wex, that platform, is going to help get the deal with a publishing company. Mm -hmm. But so is my personal brand. And ideally, they both should like feed each other. And they do, right? But the yeah. content's completely different. I get mm -hmm. a lot of questions on that where like you have a business and it's like, but this would go on my personal brand and my business account. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I be, the first that was happening, not with Wex, but with a blog that I had, the company before Wex, or the passion project before mm -hmm. Wex. Um, and with Wex, it's, we have two different boards, like my creative director created completely different color schemes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I realized is like, Alexa Carlin is the founder of woman in power X and also a speaker and you know, um, a cookbook author, like what all yeah, the yeah. things. And then Wex, it has all these different umbrellas. So they definitely feed to each other, but the structure of it, um, isn't as clear as I'd like. I, I get it. And, yeah. and the reason I ask is this is a dilemma I'm going through at the moment. Um, and since you were transparent, I will also be transparent. Like, you know what struggles? Uh, what's tough for me for me is uh, this past year I had um, I just started really pursuing speaking, uh, maybe in the past year, mm -hmm. and uh, got to the point where I you know I got a like a national keynote, um, got paid well for it. You know, first time I that might have been the first one I've gotten paid for, and it was more That's than awesome. I, yeah, yeah yeah stoked. I mean it was it was a good it was a good win, and. Um, <laughs> You know, when I came back and got the check from that, a lot of it <laughs> went to the people who I pay for my business. And that's just one example where I'm just like, <sighs> like, it just, it stings, right? You know, in that right. instance, there's a, there's plenty of other reasons why the, like, trying to figure out where to put that time and energy. But that's why it's, like, tough because, you know, I'm trying to decide where to put that time and energy because the personal brand is starting to kind of, like, gain some traction mm -hmm. and the business is too but this year being transparent you know it stalled a little bit mm -hmm. and so when 
times are tight and you're maybe feeling a little more insecure that <laughs> that question was a little uh tougher for me to to answer and it's definitely like I do understand they're they're two separate entities but there's a lot of overlap and sometimes it's even right. hard for me to see where the lines are do you um run your personal brand under your company like if you got paid would it be paid to the company yeah okay they, yeah it pay, it's paid to the company first uh and i'm on like i'm a salaried employee through right. my corporation yeah okay yeah so um so originally or still to this day i have two llcs mm. But I'm changing that to merge them mm -hmm. because I had two LLCs because I had an Alexa Carlin LLC before I started Wex. And the, under Alexa Carlin, it was my speaking. I, had an online, I have an online program with Be a Public Speaker, mm -hmm. and I have um, my cookbook. So all of that stuff went under that LLC. Then I started Wex, and originally I started with a co-founder um, who was doing events. But after the first event, he like wasn't in it like I was. Mm -hmm. I bought him out. So we did one event together and then it was solo. Um, so originally, like I had to start another LLC. And so it was wow. under, under a different company. Um, and then I've kept the two separate. So when I get paid for speaking, it goes under Alexa Carlin and anything else goes under Wex. Got it. But... If I look at it, like my team that's with Wex is helping me with speaking, Same. right? So Same. like my assistant, she's booking my travel. She's, Same. you know, doing all my scheduling. She's doing all the communication. Um, if, you know, I have an agent for the college for universities. So um, they handle all of that, that work. But anything outside, like I just booked a corporate, a pretty big corporate gig um, for February and it it shouldn't be me doing it. Mm -hmm. For example, like um, going back to storytelling, the story that you're telling like companies or individuals, like it, it matters in their perception of, mm -hmm. of you yeah. um, and how much you can charge. So, and also again, like limiting your time and seeing what's important. So I have someone else that, that works under Wex handling, um, you know, communication with corporate gigs, if that makes Got sense. It. Yeah, yeah. So then I was like, why am I paying all these extra fees for accounting, bookkeeping, yeah, yeah. annual fees to keep this? Why not merge the two? But to your point, it has been easy to be able to know what to pay myself, I guess, mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. When, you know, you're getting paid for this gig, you put 40% away for taxes and then, you know, leave whatever in the business and then you pay yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but when you merge it, it's like you have to pay all your other. It's not as clean cut. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mean... But it comes down to your, your goals, right? Like it is your goal to be just a speaker or is your goal to be the founder of X, Y, and Z and to grow this business because then it doesn't matter who's getting the money because at the yeah. end of the day, they're working for you to yeah. grow your dreams. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it. Right. Um, but if you wanted to make sure that you got a piece of that, cause I think it's also important to pay yourself if you can, yeah. um, then just set that aside, say from every gig, I'm just going to take 10% off the top and then I'm going to, you know, put it in the business. 
you know, you, there's a lot of different ways you could do it. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. all legal, all third an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. big on that. <laughs> um, you still, you still want to work on your video series? Yeah. What's your goal with that? What's your dream with that? So, so that's where it comes back to like the podcast video what we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah. Because I love being face to face with people. I mean, mm. that's my whole business is an event. Um, yeah. So, but it's. Um, you know, it's making sure you're doing it right and, and figuring that out. So I would say like the goal with that is to just create awareness for, for everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, because at the end of the day that can turn into, um, the business itself. Like if you look at Grant Cardone, you know, Grant, for sure. example, mm -hmm. Like if you, if you scroll down his website, you'll see all his different brands. And this is kind of what we're talking about. Like, again, I'm big, I'm big into research and he has his 10 X empire, mm -hmm. grandcardone.com, but he has a lot of different brands underneath it, but his personal brand kind of oversees all of them. So, so that's kind of what mm. you can, you can look at for an example, like Wex wouldn't be a company without Alexa Carlin and same for you. Yeah. So you can look at it. It's just a, a logo change in a way. Yeah. Um, and what you put under that, that specific brand, but going back to, to him, like he's found a way to do what he loves while growing, you know, his wealth and, and making a difference, um, in his platform. So, his video show that he does all the time, like that would be amazing for, for me to do. And you don't, he doesn't see the, I mean, he, maybe he sees the direct ROI from it now, but in the beginning, I'm sure he didn't. So that's kind of the goal, like create some, and I don't know if this makes any sense, but <laughs> create some type of video series that is transparent, you know, authentic. I know we talked about like showing the behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but really to keep, we only do so many events and so I think um, that could be an offshoot of it, but to create a consistent series where you're teaching. Mm. Um, I mean, I love, I did my first uh, paid workshop at Wex to teach people who wanted to learn how to speak, how to grow their brand through public speaking. It, it hit well over my goals. So I had a goal of like 10 people signing up because we launched it last minute and we had 30 people in the room and hit a, a high conversion rate to go deeper on that. And I loved it. Like I was so mm. in my element, like I'm, I'm in my element when I'm keynoting on stage, but teaching on a whiteboard is just way different. Yeah. You know, it's conversational yeah. 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 and I loved it so much. And that's what I, I would, I would love to do because, you know, 30 minute to an hour keynotes get you moving mm -hmm. and get people pumped up and, and feeling like I'm, I could do this, but then how do you do it? And so I want to continue my keynotes into a video series of like going deeper and things we talked about, like how do you actually brainstorm? How do you create a cash flow, you know, forecast? All that. Yeah, yeah. all of that stuff because that's really what's going to help. And my goal, my mm -hmm. focus is women. How women, <clears throat> definitely, you know, become independent. We're, as we we've, we've been talking today, like just picturing you work through all that stuff and you, you being someone who's already comfortable being vulnerable and transparent, even like today when you were sharing mm -hmm. and you were like, uh, I'm going for it. Right. Yeah. But like, that's the stuff back to your initial point that, that resonates when you're able to have the courage to work through that, that first little bit of fear and, and show people what it's like, because the things you're talking about are literally things I'm going through right now. The boyfriend mm -hmm. helping you with the, 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 uh, forecast, 
I had a, a, a mentor of mine just, just this month, like send me a sheet to help me do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So like, I am someone who would watch that show because I'm someone trying to learn that. And especially women who haven't, you know, traditionally had those paths laid out for them, mm -hmm. seeing someone without startup capital, because it's also hard for, for, for women to get that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just take the bull by the horns and do it, but still learning and kind of building the ship as she goes. I mean, I think that's super, that's, uh, would resonate and is super inspiring. So yeah, I still I would think, love to yeah, do yeah. That. and, and, yeah. and especially showing all the unknowns. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, what's exciting about it is watching you blaze the trail of your entrepreneurship, right? Not right. just being an entrepreneur. That's not, that's boring or like hitting it already because like, right. yeah, we're still, and, and I think that's where the fear comes, right? You don't see successful people sharing all of the ins and outs of their business. Right. And, and and again, I don't know what, like why they're not in a way, like, is that going to hurt them or whatever it may be. But I would have loved to see a video series of like Jeff Bezos, like growing Amazon. Amazing. Right. right like yeah. that would be incredible. Like everything he learned from when e-commerce wasn't working, when, you know, they were doing the, the one button for shipping, like all the stuff. Um, and so that's kind of the, the idea of it. It's like, we're not there at all, like yet, but let's grow together. What, with what I'm learning. Yeah. I always enjoy talking to you. <laughs> I feel like we could do it for a long time. Any parting thoughts? I think that's about our time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, if you just, to just stay connected with me, um, I love like hearing other people's stories and journeys. And so if you are working to achieve something, going back to that, it only takes one, like take one step today and the next day and the next day. And it could be either even a step of just like listening to this podcast, yeah. like every day, whatever it may be, um, because it is building up momentum. And I think when we look at our big goals, especially coming to the end of the year, we look at our, what the goals we hit, all the goal, all the goals we didn't hit because mm -hmm. we all have those. And then you look at your big vision. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's so much to do. How is there enough time in the day, time in the year? And it gets overwhelming to you get like where you can't do anything, mm -hmm. right? You become like frozen. And I don't want people to, to do that. Like I, that happens to me all the time. And I like, take a deep breath and like just one step, one step. So that would be like my final thought. Let's just take that step. And can we expect to see Wex at, uh, in Raleigh next year? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Wex, uh, if you want to follow along where we'll be, um, it's just Women Empower X. It's the letter X all over social media and womenempowerx.com. And we're going to L.A. in February, D.C. in April. And then we're working out our fall schedule. But Raleigh is definitely um, on our lineup this That's year. That's awesome. And that yeah. was your first time this year, right? Yes. Just a few months ago. Yeah. And it was amazing seeing this community and meeting everyone come out. Um, it was it was really amazing, like energy. It's, awesome. all, it's hard to explain it over like just talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And everyone says, I don't know how to explain. It. You just have to be there to, to feel it because it is a feeling. And I'm excited to grow with uh, the Raleigh community. Well, I, I'm responsible for at least three attendees. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for hooking us up with uh, a videographer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I hope that worked out. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah. Thank you.